Welcome back to the Fox and Fallon show. This is episode four of the Fox and Fallon podcast. We're doing it. We're I mean, doing we're this. slowly but surely starting to really crank out content and I'm excited. We're, we have a really stacked show for you guys today. Um, it's one of those shows, you know, sometimes you come into these things and we're trying to struggle to see what we want to talk about. We really have to flesh it out. This time we're rearing and ready to go. I'm super pumped. I'm super pumped too. And I want to give a shout out to Matt Peralt of SB Nation Radio. He had me on his show this morning uh, to talk strictly about promoting the show. You know, I wasn't on the podcast. Yes, Sonia's like, he I did missed shout that. us out. Um, and it was quite, he's, he's very good at what he does. His great, great voice. I'm very... I'm doing my best Matt Peralta impression right uh, now. You're just, so. you're just doing your best Anchorman <laughs> impression. All right, let's get down to business here. Big topics of the week. We made it through the Sweet 16 of March Madness. We're still not going to talk about March Madness on this show. Nope, not this year, my friend. No, uh, and as predicted, Maryland did lose in a heartbreaker to LSU by one shot. They, I think they lost at the last second. It just always happens. And I just, you know, leaving myself out of that realm of getting hurt or losing money to gambling... Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Marilyn, for losing in the tournament. Uh, you know, it was it was a nice two games of watching it. Yeah, and and my uh, the Sun Devils also lost, which I am not a former Arizona State student. However, I am loyal out of family reasons. Yeah, the family so reasons. We're both that. out. We have no reason to listen or watch. However, we have a lot of reason to be paying attention to the Patriots right now. Um, and it's not just because yes. we're. It's not because of the Boston connection. It's actually because Rob Gronkowski finally announced that he is retiring as expected. I don't think either one of us expected him to come back, um, but he made it official. And it's uh, it's come with a lot of praise and a lot of love and a lot of really good energy and vibes toward Rob Gronkowski. He's a very beloved athlete, even outside of the New England Patriots fandom. I think rare. he's, I would say that he's one of the most beloved athletes in the NFL period. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he, you know, people have taken it and it's been, it's been a real love fest for Gronk um, and deservedly so, you know, he's, he's given us nine years of some of the coolest um, performances and the most impressive physical feats we've seen in, in football in this generation. And, and silliness. And I, I think it's completely off brand that he didn't retire on June 9th. I mean, um, if he, I guess if he wants the team to be able to draft. I don't know. He's yeah, trying to do them a favor. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that one thing over Rob Gronkowski's retirement, as you said, there was a lot of questions earlier in the season whether or not he was going to retire. I'm not really so surprised, Tanya, about this right. happening. I think it's um, a curious point to discuss is that, you know, the number of players that are retiring around the age of 30, 29, yeah. 30 years old, specifically, I'm just thinking on the top of my head, um, Martellus Bennett retired at 31, uh, you know, Gerard Mayo. A lot of these guys are stepping out of the league early. I think that Teddy Bruschi had even discussed and said that if he played in this day and age, he would have retired a lot earlier. Just based on the health and wellness of, of each of the players, head injuries and kind of thinking about more of your long-term health versus, you know, and being around for your family and your children versus, you know, playing in the NFL for... 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's clearly, I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You talked about that. Obviously that he's had multiple back surgeries. There was a lot of reason for him to call it quits. Um, you know, the old school mentality would have been like, you play until you literally can't stand up anymore. And he's not going to do that to himself. And, no. you know, it's funny there, there was an article that came out where they, they talked about how big he is for, for the receiving numbers that he, that he had, the, mm -hmm. the numbers that he posted. He, is historically big for being such a 
productive receiver. Nobody that's like 265 pounds has ever put up the receiving numbers that he has. And we don't talk about that often enough because we have come to sort of be, we've come become used to Gronk in, in so many ways. Like we've, we've sort of assumed that, all right, like he's this nimble, big creature that can do outworldly, otherworldly things. Um, but they are truly otherworldly. And, uh, and I think that that's part of the reason why the reigniting of the first ballot Hall of Fame conversation has happened. Um, Something that we talked about in yeah, the first episode of this contest. Yeah. And, and let me just get back to this before we jump into, you know, why, why or why not Gronk will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I just, I have an issue with everyone's all of a sudden gung-ho saying uh, there's undoubtedly no question that he's going to get voted in on the first try. Three weeks ago or four weeks ago when we started this podcast, Tanya, this was a hot debate and they were going back and forth. And that was why we discussed it on the show. And in my perspective, you know, there were a lot of the naysayers were the ones that were the former Hall of Famers that were just kind of expressing doubt that since someone had come in and he had only played nine years in the league and he had so played so little games and missed 29 games, that that would probably be too small of a sample size to vote him in on the first try. But all of a sudden, now that he's retired and former players are coming out saying he's the best that ever do it, all the experts, the, the Adam Schefters and the Ian Rappaports of the world, all of a sudden it's like a no-brainer, no question. Right. You know? Yeah. And I have a problem with that. Yeah. You know, because all of a sudden it's like it's like every sports fan across America is just showing their bandwagon bias. Like of course, this is why we do this in this industry. Like we come up with creative takes and hot takes and whatever. Yes, we borrow from all. We borrow from everyone else. It's you know kind it's of impossible the, not. It's to. it's possible not to. It's in the same cesspool of ideas. But for me to post on Twitter and say first ballot Hall of Famer, like just with a question, kind of posing the idea. My good friend Devin McCourty retweeted it. Said, "Yeah, of course. You know, I you know, of course, Court. Like he is first ballot. You know." Yeah to jump on and the amount of people that just jumped from being a homer to a hater and like attacking right. me yeah. and saying what are you stupid is this no question I mean I posed the same goddamn question four weeks ago and all right. of a sudden I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting fire and lip from everyone. I, yeah, I just it's not. It's funny because it's not what you I don't, said listen, wasn't listen, even controversial. I don't really care. Listen, I, I'm yeah. I'm not. I'm just more. I'm more griping. I don't really care about the personalities or or the opinions of people. I don't technically. I don't catch a lot of heat for no, for stuff no. or hot takes, but I got a problem with people trying to be snippy and snoopy. Like a lot of the people that were just giving me lip, I was looking and they were a girl said a set of snarky comments to me. I clicked on her profile and she said. Oh, well, you know, the best thing to do now is just jump off the Tobin Bridge because Gronk retired. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. You're that's, unbiased. That's, I mean, yeah, unbiased. That's just such a, it's such a naive, stupid Boston thing to say. Yeah. Like, I mean, come yeah. on. I, you know, I there's, it's, I think embracing, let me live, Embracing bro. the debate is the whole fun of this. If you aren't, if you tell someone like you're stupid for asking the question, then what's the point? Because what you said was like, is he? You were inviting the conversation. Yeah. You didn't come in hot with like no idea of what you were talking about. You were just asking the question. I on I'm on the bandwagon. I'm on the camp of you were always I'm pro. I'm pro first ballot, and I have all my reasons laid out. You know that we talked about it, and I got like a similar sort of reaction from the other side, non Patriots fans, being like, "Why does it matter if he gets in first ballot? It's if he gets in the Hall of Fame, he's in the Hall of Fame. Why do you have to be such a homer about it?" And to me, it's like. 
it's not about being a homer. I, I'm not even like, I'm not one of those people that thinks everybody who was ever one of my like childhood heroes on a sports team belongs in the Hall of Fame. I actually genuinely believe that Gronk was a generational player and deserves to get that honor. A first ballot Hall of Fame is an honor. Anybody who's gotten in on the first ballot will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And I have all the reasons to back it up. And so I think, you know, here you and I are, we come from very different ends of this spectrum. I'm like firmly planted in, in my, in my view on it. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm not, I'm having not, the conversation listen, and I'm teetering. Fine. I'm teetering on it. Here's one thing that's amazing. And shout out to uh, Matthew Berry, one of the kindest men you will ever meet. Fantasy football extraordinaire for ESPN. And he kind of had this post, an instant reaction after Gronk retired. Uh, This was the nugget that I loved the most of all of them. Since he was drafted in 2010, he missed 29 games. Right. Through those nine seasons. He still accumulated 1,700 fantasy points. 1,783 to be exact. That is more fantasy points than 18 other teams combined during that nine-year span of all of the tight ends that played that position. So basically half of the league, more than half of the league, didn't even accumulate as many fantasy points at the tight end position as Rob Gronkowski did solo, which is amazing to me. And it's part of the reason I I don't don't love fantasy kind of combinations or numbers, but I mean, that's pretty remarkable because everyone who have played fantasy football understands having a high-end tight end at a fantasy position is really a luxury. And it speak, I mean, it, yes, sometimes fantasy doesn't translate to the game. It does. However, that but... does, it does speak to the, the level of his productivity over the course of this, over the course of his career. And as far as his Hall of Fame argument goes, is that it is, I think it's important that I acknowledge that it is a long shot. I mean, there's only been four first ballot Hall of Famers who played fewer than 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. He would be the fifth. If, if he were able to do it, that would be 2024. He'd be the fifth. And he would, be, be, he would be the youngest. He'd he would be, be the very youngest. young. Yep. He'd be the youngest as, as far as I know. And, I mean, he'd be joining Gail Sayers, Earl Campbell, Jim Brown, and Dick Buckus, who are legendary, legendary players. And I think he belongs in that category. But, you know, that's up. You know, I gave you, I gave you the list, listeners. You guys just discuss amongst, amongst yourselves. I think we could honestly, both of us could write a book about whether or not Gronk is a Hall of Famer and, you know, sell it Michael Hawley, Jerry Thornton I think status. we're pros at this point. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think this conversation is going to go on for a very long time, you know, possibly for the next five years. Until, <laughs> Let's do it. Until, until he's, uh, until he's voted <laughs> Episode in. Episode 247 of Oh, Fallon. yeah, we'll, we'll be, we'll be like Michael Rappaport. I am Rappaport podcast status. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, at that point. I, I, curious timing on, on Gronk retiring. Yeah, Sunday you said afternoon. This I, wonder- <laughs> I listen. I've got a big. I've got a big. Stay woke on this, and uh, I've got a big. I've got a big kind of conspiracy theory. I think. Listen, the Patriots are so carefully curated in every single thing that they do. A couple of days ago, over the weekend, Robert Kraft finally broke his silence as he declined to take the plea deal about the solicitation charges against him in Jupiter, Florida. He's continuing to. Uh, fight those charges. But he finally came out and made a statement and said, you know, I'm sorry, I apologize to my fans. I apologize to my family and this and that. And and it was a big topic of conversation of the weekend, Tanya. And a lot of the articles that I was reading, the headlines were saying, this was going to be a story that loomed over the owner's meetings, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a big question. A lot of people are asked, my parole was asking me, they said, you know, do you think that the Patriots are going to get fined. I said, to be honest, I don't think anything's going to happen. I think Robert Kraft is going to be fined. I think he'll bite the bullet, but he's still one of the most popular 
and most influential owners of all of them. Curious timing that the morning that Bill Belichick is flying from Los Angeles to Arizona for the owners' meetings and everyone's collecting there, Rob Gronkowski retires. Why? Because it overshadows the mishaps of his owner. Okay? All right. Don't you don't you think? I mean, so do, I, do, are, are people not listen. connecting the dots on this? I mean, congrats. I think people are. I, I do think I think you're speaking. I think you're actually speaking for some of the masses. I do think that there are a lot of people who feel that this could be a little behind the scenes gerrymandering of the weekend. And to be honest, I it's hard for me to imagine Gronk in the situation he's in making anything anything about this decision. Um about Robert Kraft and his soliciting a prostitute. Like, he doesn't... Anybody in his family, anybody in his camp, anybody, like, his his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, all these people, they're not, like, going to be encouraging him to, to like, get in the mud with Robert Kraft's insane legal battle. He's not, not going to be touched. I, I mean, it's not, that's not my point. I just, I don't... It doesn't do him any good. So, essentially, you'd be... What your point is, like... He would be doing Robert Kraft a favor. That would ha- that would have to be Kraft coming to him and being like, listen, if you were to retire on you know Monday or whatever it was, why don't you, did you do it, it on Sunday so I don't have it, to address? I'm just everyone. saying, you know, if you have to do one of those, like I'm not telling you to do this, but if you did, it wouldn't suck. If you're going to do it anyway, I love. I don't know that that conversation happened. I'm not convinced. But those guys are so loyal to Robert Kraft. Like some of those players, especially the guys who've been around forever. Julian Edelman, Brady, these guys are really loyal to him. So I don't know if I'm on the wagon, but I could be convinced. Mike Reese, who one of the best reporters out there, he tweeted something that apparently Robert Kraft had no idea. <laughs> he found out after nah. that uh, that was that was the word. And I'm just saying, again, part of this yeah, I don't idea that. that I have in my head, because who do you think Reese gets his information from? Right. Um, you know, to have to kind of go out there and just kind of assuage the situation, kind of mull it over, massage it, you know, yeah. kind of really trying to help his owner's cause to it's throw worked. this under. Listen, if it, genius. If that's what he did. Genius. If that's what he did, it worked like a charm, classic Patriot way. I, I am not surprised. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about the owner's meetings has to be, I mean, when you're at the owner's meetings, it's just you turn your head and you see these guys left and right, and they all have their, all their guards down. And one of my favorite people to bump into at the owner's meetings was Andy Reid. The NFL throws this big barbecue. Oh it's yes. definitely tonight. It's the last night. The NFL forks over all of their NFL monies from yeah. all the jerseys that they're selling, Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> and all the ones that they're burning of Odell Beckham. And they throw this big barbecue, and it's very fun. And uh, I had run into Andy Reid because I had covered a game late in the season a couple years ago with the Chiefs. And I said, hey, Andy, if you had just snuck that out, you could have played the Patriots. I was like, he's like, yeah, man, you know, I know we almost had it. And I said, yeah, but like, I'm still always rooting for you. He's like, thanks, Court. <laughs> and he turns to me and says, where's the beef? And I said, what? He was like, no, no, no. But really, he turns around. We're at the buffet. He goes, where's the beef? I need the steak. You're like, dude. And I literally (laughs) almost dropped to the floor and I said, oh my God, that was the most Andy Reid thing ever. Andy Reid always staying on brand. You can Uh, count on him. Staying on brands. Mitch Schwartz has told me that he, numerous stories about uh, that he, that he bets for food. Everything is about food. It revolves around food. The best quality about Andy Reid 
is the Hawaiian shirt yeah. in the middle of the photo, the coach's, the coach's photo. And as you were picking out, you were just kind of dissecting it. You said like total man move, legs wide open. <laughs> I mean, he could have put a table underneath his legs, just completely spread eagle, colorful Hawaiian shirt. I think there needs to be more coaches in the league like Andy Reid. I agree. And I think I, while we're talking about this picture, I really need to point out underrated, underrated massive human Doug Marone. Oh, Doug Marone. In Marone's, this photo. He's very, he's very yeah, tall. He's huge. He's six foot five. He's like, if you've ever seen him in person, he like, he, he, I mean, he's a massive hulking person, but people don't really talk about it. He's very understated or whatever in terms of like other coaches. And so he's sitting next to John Harbaugh, who's sitting next to Bill Belichick in the photo. And he's just like, he makes Jim John Harbaugh look like a like like a tiny. He looks like Danny Woodhead. He is so small next to this, and I'm like, this is the guy. This is the guy we need to start keeping an eye on. Now that we've got Andy Reid, we know he's predictable. We need to start. Keep, he's the he's the underrated star of the coach's photo, in my opinion. Um, he so Doug Marone used to play football. I believe well, he only yeah. played. You think? Well, I mean, well, I'm just saying. I think he played. He played in college, but he didn't make it to the NFL. I think he played and maybe a second in the NFL. Yeah. Um. You look at his knees, and he's got the ACL tear. Um, oh. He's got the his knees. He's got the ACL scars on both knees, and they're just. I mean, his his body and his frame is massive. Yeah. I mean, he definitely is a football guy, and he's he's sarcastic as such too. Yeah. And just even more of a, a reason for me to like the Jaguars. Again, my hot take. If you didn't listen yes. to the show last week, the Courtney Jaguars are going to the AFC Championship with Nick game. Foles. I think they're yeah. going to go to the AFC Championship game um, because I really like Doug Marone as a coach. He's no nonsense. I, I do too. I do too. He's not. I'm not. I'm not taking away from any of the players' coaches like Pete Carroll or you know some of the nicer guys. But I mean, there's something about you know a snarky, coded coach that's really going to pretend to tell you something but nothing. You yeah. know. I'm not saying like, you know, like the Belichick way, but I mean, Doug Marone gives, gives me that kind of, that vibe that he's not just a, oh, he's not just an open book, but he's got something up his sleeve. I think the biggest thing that happened at the owner's meetings is this rule change for excessive celebration. It's actually, it's going to be a pretty big deal because what will happen is, uh, long story short, if you get that penalty for excessive celebration after a touchdown in the end zone, rather than the team only being able to assess it after the kickoff, the opposing team can choose to have it assessed before the point after attempt. So you'll get that 15-yard penalty on uh, either point after kick or two-point conversion. So however you were trying to get the extra points, that would be where you get the penalty assessed. That's well, a game changer. Forty. Uh, imagine, for everyone listening, if you didn't imagine a 45-yard point after attempt. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, coming down to the wire and every point it counts. Be, it would actually be 48 yards. Well, I mean, but how many, and this just puts even more pressure on kickers. Yeah. I mean, the Cody Parkies of the league. I mean, how That's many, yeah. how many times this, at least this year was the hot button topic of conversation on a Sunday about kickers missing extra points yeah. or kickers missing field <laughs> People goals. People already hate kickers so much. It's going to no, be No, but I mean, but it's or great. More two, or maybe more like, you know, 17 yard tr- point after attempts. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't decided whether I like this or not yet. Um, I, I like this because it, they adopted this idea from the AAF. All these people are saying, hey, remember the AAF? It's not really anything anymore. this one anymore. the AAF too? Yes, I believe so. Really? I believe that, you know, this new Alliance Football League, and mind you, there's going to be two or three other football leagues that are launching. This is kind yeah, of just XFL the and XFL, and then there's Ricky Williams has a league that's coming out. There's a couple of them, but I mean, we're going to see more rules 
and more, I mean, unique rule changes that are going to be coming out from, from various different sources of like new unconventional ways to play football. And I think this is exactly what the NFL needs. The no fun league that everyone says, oh, you know, all the rules are tight and, you know, everything is the same always. It's not necessarily true. I think that, you know, with more people having opinions and, you know, more personalities and, you know, and Twitter and all this, I mean, this clearly was a rule that was picked up and driven home in a very, very, very quick turnaround. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even uh, to, know it was really on be, the table. To be voted on at the owners' meetings yeah. and then turned around within a month. Yeah. They voted down the 4th and 15 proposal where they were going to have, instead of the onside kick, a team in the fourth quarter would able would be able to get the ball 4th and 15 on their own 35-yard line. So it was a little convoluted, and I understand why it was voted down. I think it would have been really cool in some ways. Um, but Colin Coward on his show today, we talked about it and he actually came up with a really good point. And I tend to be kind of like this as well, which is why I liked the point, which is, yeah, onside kicks are really hard to convert and they almost never work anymore. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to be. If you're losing, if you're down by seven or 10 points and you need to do an onside kick, guess what? It's going to be really hard to to come back. That's the whole point. We shouldn't be making it easier for losers to win and harder for winners to win. If you're up by 10 points and you've got, and there's a minute 15 on the board and the other team has the ball. Hey, guess what? If there's a one or 2% chance that you can get an onside kick, then those are about the percentage chances you deserve. And most of those times that you, that an onside kick works, it's because the other team's special teams unit is not paying attention at the balance a of a weird football. Bounce. Sometimes I mean, a weird bounce of a football, yeah. but most of the time these kickers, I think maybe, Maybe the kickers need to practice some more onside kicks, but I mean, because they're not really getting those past ten yards. You typically, yeah. the, the you know, it just starts. There's to... no good way to do it. It's no. like it's a very sort of like you're really taking fate into your hands, and that's how it should be. And uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I, I'm kind of glad it didn't go through. It was kind, it was half-assed in my opinion. Yeah. Another topic of the day: Juju Smith-Schuster, now the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh. Yes. Kissing some ass. Kissing some Ben Roethlisberger butt. And you know what? It is so funny. Juju is a smart, smart boy. He is a smart boy. He is smart. He tweeted today his support for Ben Roethlisberger. And it's a picture of him hugging. It's like this very tender photo of the the two hugging. And he said, I was so blessed to enter the league and play with a Hall of Fame QB as a 20-year-old. Ben has taught me so much. He's a true leader, and I can't wait to rock with my guy this season. Oh. All right. So you read that to me earlier today. And yes. the first thing I said was, that's a smart boy. He wants his money. Hey, Mr. Owner. Hey, Rooney. I'll tell you this, Courtney. Listen, I, it's been so all week. The real, I support it's made, it. It's been, I support it. They have been Go ma- get your money. It has been made very clear that they are committed, regardless of what we think, to Ben Roethlisberger. The GM, Kevin Colbert, has said Ben Roethlisberger's our guy. He gets what he wants. The coach has said Ben Roethlisberger's our guy. He gets what he wants. Juju Smith-Schuster has very smart people telling him what to do and how to handle this because this was the best thing he could have done. Number one, he got an amazing – he had a great season last year. He has really good chemistry on the field with Ben Roethlisberger, as did Antonio Brown, let's be honest. And this is exactly what he needs to do for his future. Now, Antonio Brown had something to say as well. Didn't even use a burner account to make this comment. Just just flat out just responded underneath. And what he did he straight, say? He straight up subtweeted it and said, so this was a, you know, a few hours later, he says, do not listen to any NFL player who hasn't gotten paid yet. Oh. They will do and say anything to make sure they get, they get, 
to make sure they're going to get paid, even if it's compromising integrity or anything. Sad but true. Which, can I just say, I know you have thoughts on this. Sad but true. Excuse me, how long have you been in the league, Antonio Brown? When did you start bitching? Because I'm pretty sure you've been in the league since 2010, and we just started hearing from you a couple seasons ago. Sad but true, you were doing the same thing Juju was. I I, I will take it even further. If I was a Buffalo Bills fan, <laughs> and I saw that photo that Antonio Brown tweeted on Instagram that was like, the top half of the photo was him like with some like, meh, what the fuck face. With a, with a Bills logo and then said, you know, and then the next photo was him with the, with the Raiders. And he said, yeah, how funny was that last week? Fake news. What are you doing? Yeah, why are, are you are antagonizing you not, Browns fans? Why are you antagonizing I mean, Bills fans? Why are you antagonizing Bills fans? And why do you keep trying to convince yourself that he made a good decision? Why does he keep having to tweet about about the Raiders season and about, you know, hey, like, you know, I, you know this is me in the uniform. But, like, don't you think that there's there's some there's something about this that maybe he's wishing that he didn't second guess that. Well, he's like, super no, jealous listen, of Juju. I mean, listen, he's completely peanut butter and jealous. Are you kidding? Yeah. He read that Juju thing and he knows that his guy's gonna tear it up this year. Yeah. He knows that he's not that he's missing big opportunities yeah. to work with a great future Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt in that that Big no. Ben is going is he's heading going. to the yeah, hall he's going. at some point. I, I think that Antonio Brown is having second thoughts or second guessing the fact that he thinks that he's, he, I think he thinks he made a big, And it's big, actually, big, I don't think enough mistake. people are talking about the fact that like, this is a shot. He essentially said that Juju's compromising his integrity by doing the best thing he can do for his career. He's on a rookie deal. What do you expect? Yeah, but you him? know what though? This is also too, it's like hazing. He's like, oh, you know, now that he's out and he's jealous, it's like, it's like you can't leave the league and you can't leave the number one wide receiver spot and then all of a sudden still come back and be a, and be a bitch yeah you know like yeah. you can't come back and bully the spot that you gave up you don't bully my juju shoes i know but i'm just saying he's bullying him he hardcore bull and it's funny because and it just, he can say he, what he wants but the he team just voted, looks so the team stupid. voted juju smith schuster their team mvp their offensive mvp so he can take his butt hurt self to, to oakland on their one-year lease with Derek carr and enjoy that while juju gets like 1,800 yards receiving this year. All right, bye. Let's move on to some pop culture ideas. Some pop culture news and notes, Tanya. News and notes. Big baller brands <laughs> is no more. There's you, a lo- I'm so shocked. Uh, are you $500 sneakers? I'm so shocked. I think that even Nike was shocked that one of those sneakers didn't fall apart. A Nike sneaker fell apart and almost <laughs> ruined Zion Williamson's career before uh, before, <laughs> before Big Baller brand didn't hit the Big Baller Bureau of Fs. Did that make sense? No, no, no. The Big Baller brands is uh, is headed for Big Baller bankruptcy. Yes, yeah, it's Lo- so true. Lonzo and LaMelo, they're, they're talking on their Instagram about getting out and moving on. And even our guy LeVar Ball has admitted that the BBB... It's time to close up shop. Yeah, it's starting. I mean, you know, they they have had some issues with like Lavar's business partner potentially embezzling or stealing one point five million dollars. Wow, I'm so stuff. surprised. Yeah, it's really shocking. And so, did he did he beat him growing up? Yeah, I know. I, I think he's one has of his been childhood part of the friends. Posse? Right. He's been trying. He's been. He was. He was trusted for twenty years, and then he got a hold of a you know a five million dollar corporation, and then he just started funneling funds into his account. This is what happens when we give outsized personalities with no substance or really any credibility uh, the platform that we've given LeVar Ball over the last couple of years. 
Lonzo was a very good college basketball player. He's been a passable NBA player with Nat, who now has injury issues. His other two kids haven't done anything because, in part because LeVar has handicapped them. The idea that this was ever going to work, it was like a joke to begin with, but there is something satisfying in watching this all fall apart and watching his kids get out from underneath him. I'm sorry, go let them get their Nike deals, dude. Ichiro Suzuki, did you watch this? I know this was from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch his retirement when he walked out? Of course. Went out on top. Did you see the videos of him in Tokyo? It was a game in the Tokyo Dome. Ichiro Suzuki, one of the most beloved baseball players of all time. I mean, over 3,000 hits. We miss her consistency. One of the most amazing videos that really struck me and it reminded me of the mass was it the masters tournament back in september oh with tiger with tiger woods it was really the first match that he had come back up on top that he was dominating and he was walking to the 18th hole and he had an entire flock of maybe three thousand people following him and then they 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 cue to the to the helicopter shots i mean it was like a mass of people just rolling over the hills and chanting behind him. I mean, it was it was very special watching Ichiro Suzuki walk out into the outfield. It yeah, had the same emotional texture. It had the same it had the same feel of the people and the flashing lights and then finally he walks out there, it tips his cap, the roar of the cloud. I mean, it was such a beautiful moment that needed to be mentioned on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We always we want to pay homage to all of the great legends that are retiring. I mean, we, oh, these are our people, Court. We're going to start being those people who are like, you know, we're going to be 75 someday remembering when Ichiro retired and remembering when Tiger Woods was being followed around like Jesus and remembering the the Derek Jeter stuff. I mean, this is these are the moments we live for. We can't let them pass us by. I, I cried my eyes out. I came all the way back from New York. I took a train. Five, it actually took five hours to go watch David Ortiz's retirement opening ceremony and when i tell you that i was bawling hysterically in the press box when they when they showed that video they said you know he never gave up on that one time and they start going through all the big moments in his career Ugh. i was like oh, it was big it's poppy. so good Dude, it's poppy so is so like his highlight reel his and it, and it like all culminates with this is our fucking city. this is my fucking city oh, well here's the thing no. the year before when Derek jeter had retired I kind of just said, I I had the sentiment, I said, I had enough of Yankees fans crying over Jeter retiring. I, now I get it. I know. You know, like, I know. When, I, when I went through the David Ortiz retiring thing and, you know, the, all the, even the questions that Big Poppy was going to come back in the middle of the playoff race this fall, I get it. All of the sports fans out in Seattle who just had to deal with Ichiro passing the torch, it's him, it's Ken Griffey Jr., we salute you. We understand. Absolutely. Big love to Seattle. Uh, my last thing, and this just has got to be discussed. Have you seen, have you seen Jay Cutler on reality TV? Very Cavallari. Have you tuned into the E! News show? I have not. Not in season two, Tanya. however. I did catch the highlights from season one, and I found Jay Cutler to be both horrific and delightful in all the ways that we love. That is exactly what he is. He is like, he is like, we all love him as that submissive quarterback who loves ripping sigs and not listening to authority. I mean, this has got, this is really exposing the true Jay Cutler that we know. Yeah. The animal lover and the part-time supportive husband. Part-time. 
Part-time. I love, that. I love part-time. that He's like He's like a part-time, full-time supportive husband for his for his wife's business. Listen, what I will tell you, that Kristen Cavallari was always a big fan of hers on the hills. She's got some pretty shitty people working for her. I don't know if this is kind of casting that is done by E! News, but she's she's got to deal with a lot. She's got to lay the hammer down, and she's also recruited Jay to be the GM of the Uncommon James brand. And it is absolutely hysterical. Jay Cutler, at some point, if you are a sports fan, you just need to watch this show just for strictly for Jay Cutler because it is more entertaining than any football game that he could ever be in. Yeah, they're not doing enough. Like, it's funny because I feel like the first season I kept seeing the the clips on Twitter and they were great. And I feel like they're not doing enough marketing of Jay Cutler to sports oh, no, fans they on told, Twitter. They, to- they need to do better. Oh, oh, oh. They need well, to do better. Well, you know why? Because they we just we need those the geeks on Twitter that you know that record things and put the clips yeah. together. It's not E News itself. Yeah. Um the Ringer like, The Ringer like- has done a very good job of pointing out a couple of great Jay Cutler uh, clips. Yeah. Um but one of the girls came in, I, one of the last episodes that she came in and, you know, he's he's going in and he's firing girls in the office and he's making them cry and he's being rude to them, but in a very Jay Cutler funny way. Trust me, it's not really that serious. But Jay Cutler coming in and one of the girls saying, listen, you know, he's been spending a lot of time around the office. It's like having a Hall of Famer here at all times. Oh no, she did not bring up a Hall of Famer. There are the, there are girls actually in the pop culture world that believe that Jay Cutler is a Hall of Fame quarterback. No, they so don't. I am here to tell you, crossing over my lines from sports to pop culture, honey, Jay Cutler was a very mediocre quarterback, and that's about as much as you're going to get from him. I listen. I'll say this: had he had a, if he'd had a work ethic or you know some sort of serviceable personality. He could have got, done great things. He was naturally very talented and, and could make some pretty big plays. He was one of those guys who, like, he could have been Ben Roethlisberger, but he turned out to be Jay Cutler. And he redefined what it's like to be naturally talented and un, and unmotivated. <laughs> and for that, we love and appreciate you, Sir Jay. Thank we, you for your service. We will follow the line of the cigarette smoke <laughs> coming from your farm in Nashville. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the cigs that he must, uh, well, you know, I, I, he probably, he can't smoke in front of all those animals. It shows that, you know, he's got goats and llamas and stuff. I don't stuff. think he ever really smoked. That's the funny part. Is I, like, I doubt that. Yeah, I don't think he ever did. Oh, he totally like, did. You, Cigarettes. I mean, okay. What, what modern athlete smokes cigarettes? I mean, but I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't even, I don't know the origin of the Jay smoking, the smoking Jay kind of thing. But I mean, I think that if anything, this show just shows that Jay Cutler is just like, one of those cool frat boys that could be the boyfriend of one of your girlfriends. You know, she's kind of a betchy betch. Yeah, for sure. She's got attitude. She doesn't, you know, so it's like, you know, he's like the cool fratty boyfriend who might go out drinking with his buddies and, uh, hey, he might have see. an occasional cigarette when he he's outside. He does the drinks. He does the, hey, Is I he had a some... social smoker? I don't know. He says, hey, can I bum one? I don't usually do this. Yeah, I don't really usually do this. Like, can I, can I just have, like, can I have a drag? <laughs> Listen, like, I didn't bring out my jewel out when I had to put to the bar because <laughs> I... Because I kind of I kind of lo- look like uh, you know I get made fun of I kind of look I kind of look gay. You look like, like well, well, you look like you're sm- you're smoking a USB like a flash drive. So <laughs> I, I have no comment on the jewel. I know I discussion. Know. Drop us a line. Hit us up. Fox and Fallon on Twitter. You're probably listening to this on Spotify. 
soon to be available on iTunes, yes. Stitcher, SoundCloud. I mean, like, there is no way that you can't yeah. find this podcast. The only place we're not on right now is iTunes, and that's only because they're slow. Everyone, everywhere else that Courtney just said, you can find us and subscribe. And yeah, we will be we'll be continuing to bring on people when we can. And New England based or not, they're always going to be great because that's all we do. We just we just live in greatness, and uh, we hope we that you've loved this episode. That sounds that sounds very much like a Dave Portnoy uh, oh, stool rant. Don't you literally that. just sounded like Prez no, from Barstool. I'm yes, so much more legit. Wow. Whatever, dude. I We're like all that. cut from the same cloth, I guess. <laughs> no, I am yeah. not cut from Portnoy cloth. I mean, no, but Absolutely we're all, yes, not. we are all cut from the same cocky, cocky cloth. For sure. Okay, see you next week.